Welcome to Get Your Fix, a podcast bringing you insights and expertise in facilities management, brought to you by Vixo, changing the way the world sees facilities management. Welcome to Get Your Fix, a podcast by Vixo. I'm your host today, Tyler Kern. Thank you so much for joining me. Now, COVID-19 has been a time of evolution throughout the restaurant industry, and joining me today to discuss the past, present, and future of restaurants is Aaron Alexander, the VP of Client Relations at Vixo. Aaron, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Tyler. Absolutely, absolutely. And we also have Gary Stevenson. He's the Western Division President at Vixo. Gary, thank you for being here as well. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Tyler. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Aaron, let's start off here. Can you detail some of the specific challenges that restaurants have been facing during this time? Absolutely, Tyler. So I think a big focus for the restaurants during this time, this pandemic, is really the focus around safety. You know, with the revenue loss that they've been experiencing due to restaurants closing and reduced people coming in through the store, they really had to pivot and try to figure out how to get um, their product to the customers and also getting people to pick up and deliver to them. So when you talk about, you know, from a customer perception, going out into the public is scary, but they also wanna be able to still have their favorite foods. And so the restaurants really needed to decide how would we reduce what we serve and how are we gonna get it to our customers the fastest? So a lot of their focus has been around delivery and pickup in their parking lots, having to adjust, you know, their staffing, their hours, so a lot of that piece for the restaurants to, you know, help drive revenue to keep their doors open. I think a lot of the restaurants staffing has become an issue, big issue for them and just adapting, as Aaron said, to the work from home mentality so that they you know, had to expand their ability with uh, to go curbside, et cetera. Yeah, so it, it's that expanding and it's that diving more into the, the delivery model and things along those lines and, and particularly those staffing challenges, like you mentioned, Gary, and I think have been major challenges during this time. So what kind of changes have those challenges brought about to the restaurant industry as everyone has, you know, coped and, you know, evolved throughout this time and evolved their operations? What changes have been brought about by those challenges? Well, it's sped up for some of them. It's sped up the use of technology as they had to there's the shorten their menus and then had to find ways to allow folks to order, pay, um, you know, et cetera, without a lot of contact with other individuals. Uh, they they uh, had to uh, expand their thinking quickly on uh, how to ramp up their back of the house to deal with to-go orders, curbside pickup, mm-hmm. you know, alternatives to dine-in, as it were. Uh, and then they've had to do things like some of the restaurants have had to resort to deep discounting of their menu items and uh, even providing free delivery. And, you know, so, and of course, those things aren't sustainable long term, but they were necessary for many restaurants just to get uh, get some flow going, especially the ones that would be located in a metropolitan or a downtown area that saw so much of the work from home impact them. They had to adapt and adjust. I think too, Tyler, we've seen a lot of increase too. Um, Gary touched on a little bit with the technology piece. When Mm -hmm. you look at a a lot of the restaurants, they've actually had to invest a lot of money into the marketing and technology to drive people back to their buildings. So, you know, a lot of restaurants would always be by word of mouth. It'd always be by, you know, let's try, let's try the new place down the street. When sometimes we don't even know if they're open today. Right. So, you know, a lot of people use social media to to find out what's open, what what are they being safe? Can we feel comfortable going there? And you have, there's actually been an uptick in marketing promotions that the restaurants have focused because they don't have the in- inside staff. They don't have, you know, the extra 
costs that they would normally have inside. And they've pivoted that and said, how do we get people to come to pick up and deliver you know, more effectively? And like Gary also touched on, how do we invest money in the back of the house to make sure our speed of delivery to our clients is the fastest and the best? Because if we don't, if we can't show that when they're not in our store or in our restaurant, we're not going to get the business. So, you know, you, I'm sure all of you have seen when you're online, there's so many ads that pop up and so many more people expressing in restaurants, promoting specials and reduced discounts and packaged meals for families. Um, they really had to pivot and change that, invest that to make people still order from them. Mm. Yeah, I think that's absolutely correct. That's certainly been been my experience as well. And so, yeah, I think that's I think that's absolutely spot on. You know, and I think one of the questions that is top of mind for many people right now is what does normal look like once we're past the pandemic? Everyone says, you know, this is the new normal. So what exactly does that mean specifically for restaurants? So, you know, what's your perspective on things, you know, how things look on a permanent basis after this? What kinds of changes do you think stick around in the restaurant industry? Well, I think a lot of executives, there's been a ton of thought leadership put into what the new norm is going to be because they're thinking they know what they've done now. And a lot of the restaurants have done a great job of making sure the safety is today, but they still have to pivot and say, what's our growth going to look like? Are we going to stay where we're at? Are we going to continue to grow? And if we're going to grow, what's that going to look like? Um, You're going to see a lot of less big buildings being built. You're going to have a smaller footprint sizes. I think the restaurants are also learning what their menu sizes can be and don't need to be based on their profitability of reduced menus that they're doing today. They're finding that food, the the stuff that's on the shelf, that they have less waste because they're not having to purchase so much of that. A lot of the restaurants you go to that have four or five menus before, you walk in today and you're getting one, maybe two-sided menu, but you're still getting fulfilled in some of your favorites. So a lot of changes with the menus are, are happening too. And I think that's going to stay because the restaurants are learning that maybe the hours they're able to stay open and closed to save the revenue and have the biggest foot traffic coming in. Um, I think we'll continue to see you won't have restaurants open for long times anymore because they're realizing that they don't need to and still have the revenue stream that they need and still be able to service their customers. Yeah, I think uh, the consumer is going to benefit big time. Um, hmm coming out of COVID, I think your in your in dining experience is going to be much more enhanced, whether it be cleanliness, uh, service, because I do believe that the restaurants are learning during this critical time that they got to they got to do more with their people, they got to uh, train, develop, pay, etc, their people. So I think the in I think the consumer is going to see a, a much improved enhanced dining experience. I think you're going to see a, a, a proliferation of, of, of the ghost restaurant hybrid model. Right. Where, and that's kind of what Aaron was just describing, that they're going to still have the in-dining, maybe even in a smaller footprint, as she, as she described. But they're definitely going to have back of the office or an off-site location that's going to be providing their product on to-go or grab-and-go or to-go situations. So I think you'll see more of that. And there's no question that the new normal is going to encompass uh, technology, whether it be, you know, QR codes for menus or it's uh, uh, elimination of things like tipping and finding ways to uh, pay their employees without uh, that archaic system still mm-hmm. being in vogue. Uh, but I think uh, the new normal is definitely going to uh, be in favor of the customer. So, Gary, for restaurants that are having success right now, what, what are some of the things that you've noticed that they're doing successfully? You know, what are they doing well that is, is propelling them forward for those restaurants that are, that are having success at the moment? Well, I think the ones that are having success, and certainly we have a couple of those as, as clients at Vixo, but they, they embrace technology pre-COVID. 
So they already, I mean, there are, there are companies out there, restaurants out there that already had, had gone to uh, mobile ordering and or even in dining where you, your menu would be uh, on a QR code or just the elimination of the need to swap cash and those sort of things. Uh, but they're also some of the more advanced, the ones that are thriving or, or growing again now are coming back more successfully, I guess I should say, during COVID, uh, are the ones that already knew the value of employees, already knew the value of technology. I mean, we have a customer that for years has provided college tuition and benefits, even for part-time restaurant workers. And as a result of that, they're able to get a quality that, that comes through to their customers. So I think the ones that are successful have been able to adapt to those changes, you know, their grab and go mentality, uh, and they're just more forward thinking. And I think Gary touched on it too about the workforce, but I think a lot of the restaurants are focusing on how to build a flexible workforce in their, in their mm-hmm. building that they have. You have to be able to, because the demand, especially when COVID, we had restrictions, we opened and we closed and we opened and we closed and unemployment benefits versus what they were getting, you know, maybe in service and being on their feet, you know, hours a day. That's been a huge adjustment for the restaurants. Gary touched on it earlier in this, in the discussion about the staffing. Um, that my restaurant clients really, really struggled to bring those people back. Um, and they were able to, you know, pivot quickly and understand that we'll be flexible. The environment that we're going to give you is is this, and we're going to have these fun working days. And they were, um, you know, offering even bonuses for people that were willing to work different shifts, being able to train different and inspire different for their team, because that then falls into their consumer experience because you're not face to face at a table. It's, you know, from on the phone into that delivery person that picks it up at your restaurant and delivers it to that door. And the experience can be definitely different if it doesn't start with a positive in your workforce. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Aaron, uh, as a follow-up, what areas should facilities managers be focusing on during this time? Um, Everything that the consumer can't see. Mm. So when I talk about that, it means the assets. So when we talk about, we took away so much of that environment that the facilities managers usually spend a lot of their time on. So, you know, is the tile clean? Is the floor clean? Is the painting good? Are the, are the floors sticky or not? All of that is a lot of their day to day. And when we, and you know, we talk about now, how do we get plates in and plates out faster? And the quality is still there where we need it to be. We've actually had one of our clients invest money into enhancing fryers because it does, the drops were um, seven seconds faster which meant that if they had the Uber Eats guy sitting at the door, they could get those plates out faster and get it to the houses faster. And we invested money in programs of their um, to-go drinks. One of our clients is famous for their margaritas. And when the counties developed a way to be able to say, we can get those to go, um, the facilities team made sure they had to make sure they're up and running. We actually went to a vendor and um, purchase additional ones to put in the store because their sales were actually higher on some of their weekends than they were normally to further to go orders because um, people were still wanting to have that. So when I say things that the consumer can't see, it's really your back of house because they're not in there to experience the environment right now. It's a very small 35 to 50% capacity that they shifted and the environment really is not getting disrupted with the foot traffic and stuff as it would before. Um, so mm-hmm. a lot of that focus has been in, in the kitchen area because that's what can serve serve fast. And also they've been partnering with the operations team on what does it look like when it gets to the consumer? They've enhanced their packaging. They've had to invest in um, heated things. Um, you know, it's, when it's sitting longer, those warmers are not doing the trick. It's deteriorating the food quality. 
Um, so they've actually had packaging increase that they can put it with the warmer so it stays hot and fresh. So there's a lot of different things that they've had to think outside the box that they're not used to doing previous to COVID. Yeah, I think uh, along with everything that Aaron just described, the store readiness and cleanliness and the brand presentation, et cetera, I think a, a, um, a progressive facilities manager is clearly focused on the fact that, especially given that we've also touched on reduction in staff that so many uh, restaurants have had to put up with, that, that really advanced facilities managers need to be focusing on data, how they're going to get that data, what are they going to do with that data. They need to be focused on uh, having a top-class uh, facilities service partner to help make sure all that equipment and all those issues that uh, Aaron just touched on that are functioning the way they're supposed to, and they can focus on the in-store experience for the clients. So. I think the other thing, Tyler, that we've seen a lot of too is their partners. So when we talk about partnerships, we talk about companies like Vixo that mm-hmm. you know that we we help support their initiatives in the field. We make sure that we have the right teams on site, and there's been a huge um, transition in some of those companies that they may have used before are no longer in business. Right, and that partner that they had you know, in that market or in that small, you know, corner of, you know, Florida, they're no longer there because they don't have the revenue to be able to staff their teams anymore. So really the facilities have had to shift their mindset to leverage more companies that help support that have national coverage and that can, you know, have that outreach for them that they may not have any longer. So a lot of that, um, their mindset has really had to adjust to that. And they've also had to have more of an operational vision. And what I mean by that is that they have to make sure that they're par- partnering with the operational teams within where before they would focus just on that clean environment that is everything working okay. Now their decisions are about, is the decision I'm making affecting the customer experience? Is the decision I'm making affecting the bottom line of that building? And is it the right thing to do? Where before the mentality was just fix it. We don't want to hear about it. Make sure it's working. You know, that's facilities is, is a big thankless industry is what we like to say sometimes. We, if you don't hear about it, it's a good thing. Now it's, you can need to pause. We need to reflect and make sure the investment we're making is worth the ROI that we're gonna get because we don't have the flexibility of spend as we did six months ago. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of discussions with our clients about what's the right way to spend your money and what's the right ways to invest. And then they leverage Vixo a lot for that too. Absolutely. So Gary, can you go into a little bit more detail uh, about the ways that outside dedicated facilities management partners can can continue to add value similar to what Aaron is talking about? Sure. Well, we, we've touched on uh, uh, people, both the fact they've had to reduce their workforces, their back of the house teams, etc. They've had to learn to be multi-talent faceted now. They can't just be, you know, unique. They, you know, you're just a fry cook or, you know, that sort of thing. They have to be multi-talented. We've talked about those kind of things. And, and who picks up the slack for the things that they can't do and they used to do? Uh, that's where companies like integrated facility maintenance companies, world-class companies like Vixa come into play. You have the technology. We've talked about it throughout every question we've discussed so far today. And that's, again, you, need, you get that support and introduction. Uh, I mean, Vixa was uh, one of the first to introduce uh, smart devices a, a decade ago in the field to gather information. You know, we, um, and we continue to evolve forward. Our portal is uh, on par, if not better than any in the industry. So technology and the ability to have access to technology, you know, the Internet of Things, being able to collect information real time off of your key equipment, 
Uh, and then what do you do with that data? We talked about that. Well, what, what companies, good IFM companies do, they're able to collect that data, but they're also able to do something with it and analyze it and spin it back to you, the customer, and your reduced staff of people and show you ways you can focus your energy and your attention and where you get to, and, and, and as Aaron talks about return on investment, where you get your mm -hmm. biggest bang for your buck. And a good IFM company allows you to do those kind of things. You know, when we talk about, I think, touch on more of the purchase piece, right, and the investment piece. So Gary had talked about the reporting that the third party or IFM companies can provide. Mm -hmm. We've done a lot more of that than we did in the past. Really looking close at the buildings for repeat behaviors, I think, is another big one that we, some of the companies, you know, didn't pay attention to that as, in as much in the past as we are able to give that full scale of the national look or even, you know, their entire portfolio of maybe things that are triggering extra costs they may have had before, which we do already within our company. But I can tell you that's been a, a huge focus with many of our clients is really how do we cut our spend? How do we be most productive in what we're doing? And, and you know, and Vic, so how do you help us with that? So that's, that's been, um, I think, a, a really increase in, in focus for the restaurants too. Yeah, and Tyler, my final note on that, on, on what a what a good world-class uh, facilities maintenance partner like a Vixo would do for you. It's, is in, it also gets down to cost. Uh, generally, in almost in every case, your total cost is going to be less while you're getting all those enhanced services and all you're getting that enhanced data and technology infusion into your facilities world. It's the management of that total cost and managing that down. At the same time, you're raising the quality of the service itself, and that's what the value add of a partner a good facilities maintenance partner can do for you. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Aaron, as we begin to close out the podcast today, let's cast our eyes forward towards the future. And maybe this will help kind of summarize a lot of what we've talked about here on the podcast already, but what best practices will be essential for restaurants of the future? Well, I think the first best practice really is about safety and clean. So consumers are going to continue to want and ask and worry about, is it is it okay for me to eat there? So in those best practices, a lot of our clients have asked for our support on how to help me create an operational checklist or help me create something that ties my restaurant together from all aspects. And I'm talking from even HVAC to my exterior because it's bringing into my restaurant and making sure that support me in cleaning materials. So we've you know, helped to create some of those best practices that some restaurants, even though the intention is always there to do that weekly, it's not always done. So they, they've really been forced to make sure that those extra cleaning protocols are there you know, every single week with their team. Um, and then also, you know, I think from a best practice is going to be really about, about um, the spend or the um, wasted product or not wasted product. They've talked a lot about how do we make sure that we're following a process of how we deliver our food the right time every time. You don't, you lose a margin for air, right? You lose a margin for wasted food. So a lot of different outlines for their, their associates have been redistributed. A lot of new training has been done that they're gonna to continue to drive those practices going forward because it's every day is gonna make an impact on that restaurant. Yeah, I think I'd just add that uh, there's a couple of points I think I would I would throw in there along with uh, the great comments that Aaron just made, and that is that uh, I believe that the best practices of the future would be to embrace a facilities partner. You know, you, you want your restaurant experts to focus on the in-store experience for the customer and your brand. Let another expert in facilities maintenance worry about uh, all the other the equipment in the back of office and that and that sort of thing. And then the other thing I think is going to be a strong best practice going forward 
is I believe restaurants are going to change the way, as a rule, they look at employees and understand the value of cutting back on turnover and the value of, of uh, paying more and offering benefits and having that continuity uh, so that those customers see those same faces or hear those same faces on the voice uh, over the phone when they're ordering, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that'll be a, one of the best practices. Well, Aaron and Gary, thank you guys so much for joining me here on the podcast today and discussing uh, the evolution that's occurred in restaurants as a result of COVID-19. You know, what what the challenges have been, what the evolutions have been, and what the future looks like for these restaurants. And so, Aaron Alexander, VP of Client Relations, thank you so much for joining me here on the podcast. Thanks, Tyler, so much. It was a pleasure. Absolutely. And Gary Stevenson, Western Division President at Vixo. Gary, thank you for joining me as well. My pleasure as well, Tyler. Thank you. Absolutely. And everybody, thank you for listening along to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed bringing it to you. Of course, we'll be back soon with more episodes of Get Your Fix, a podcast by Vixo. But until then, make sure you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and make sure to check out the Vixo website as well. That's V-I-X-X-O. Make sure to check out their website for more information on everything that they offer. Like I said, we'll be back soon with more episodes of the podcast. But until then, I've been your host today, Tyler Kern. Thanks for listening.